Just say like before, like I don't know, <laughs> before we go on. Did you did you fail to use your cough button then? I didn't. I, think I you didn't. Did. I didn't bother because we're in a production. Oh, because oh, it sounded like it kind of cut out for like a millisecond. No, I just turned away. There, okay. There's these I turn things. away from the mic to breathe. <laughs> well done, well done. Who was I just talking to about that recently? Tayson Day. He's just start. He's like still around, you know. So uh, here's a useless story that maybe we can put in as a pre-show. Uh, I am, as as everyone well knows, I am a or less now, but was at least a very big Dave Matthews fan. And Aaron and I were listening to a concert, a Dave Matthews concert once. And um, the saxophonist who has since passed uh, was doing an interpolation of some other song in the middle of one of my favorite songs called The Dreaming Tree. And I couldn't place this song, but it had this riff that I recognized. And like a lightning bolt, several days later, it finally came to me. He was playing Chocolate Rain in the middle of this Dave Matthews song. And Chocolate it, Rain. It was so, it's so good. It's so ridiculous. Anyway. I need to listen to that song now. Yeah, you do. I haven't heard that in maybe like... 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did that? Why was that such a... Because I think it was, so it was the move away from the yeah, mic. I think it was. it was. all the weird stuff that went around it that yeah, I think it you're right. a big success. So, Mike, you are uh, getting on a jet plane and you're flying far, far away yet again. I'm going on tour. How fancy are you? Do you have, like, roadies? Do you have a rider? How does this uh, work? Absolutely. Well, I, I don't have a rider. Um, which is a list of requirements. But one of the great things about this tour that I'm going on is it has all been planned. Like all of my travel and hotel stuff, Stephen's done it all. So it just makes me feel even more fancy that like I haven't booked anything. No, he is the senior vice president of live events. Like this is his job. Like this is part of his job is to book this stuff. So it feels really good to, all I have to do is get to Chicago, and then everything else is taken care of for me. So the plane travel to Chicago, that was your problem. But once you arrive in Chicago, it's pretty much all taken care of? Yeah, until I get back on a plane from Toronto. That's banana. So even like the, well, it's not strictly speaking domestic, but for the sake of argument, the domestic flights, they're all taken care of by Stephen? Pretty much. Stephen and then Brad did the <laughs> did the Canada one. Fair enough. You are so fancy. I know. It makes me feel like a big fancy man. So I, I we are going on a in a small uh, three-day North American tour, um, which is occurring. As you're hearing this episode, we had to record this episode pretty far in advance because of the tour. Um, it just seemed easier to record this. So I will be right now. Uh, I will have done both of our live shows, Chicago and New York live shows. And we'll be at the Toronto Pen Show. Oh, wonderful. That's where I'll be by the time this is released. Well, I hope you had some poutine today then. Oh, I should do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Because I've never been to Canada before, right? Like, I've stopped over in Canadian airports on my way to America, but I've never <laughs> actually stepped foot, like, on true Canadian soil. So I have all of those things available to me different like tim hortons that's a thing right yep yep yep, it's like it's like the starbucks of canada right something like that i've never actually consumed it but i know of what you speak and i think that that's roughly correct like Mm. the starbucks or maybe krispy kreme or maybe even dunkin donuts i don't know you get the idea but uh are you excited what so this is you, you said you're doing a pen show and then what else oh my god i'm going to toronto that's where scott pilgrim is You're right. You need to do a tour. You need to find there are all tours. the spots. Like, there are, like, not tours, but there are, like, maps and stuff. You've got to do all the things, man. You've got to. I'm so pleased I spoke to you because I didn't even think of this. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Scott Pilgrim versus the world filming locations in Toronto. And there is a Google Maps thinger, which we will put in the show notes. I just found a, a post on Geek and Sundry too, which describes all of it all. That is very exciting because I do have a little bit of free time, especially because, again, we are being destroyed by the time here, but if there's an Apple event, I may have to stay in Toronto for an extra day. Oh, why is that? Well, because I'm scheduled to fly out on Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. And that's pr- if there's an Apple event, it's probably going to be Tuesday or Wednesday, and I'll be traveling for all of that time. So 
I might have to move things because of all of the shows that I'll need to do. So we'll see. I may have extra, extra time. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to be in Toronto and now I'm going to have to go on a little Scott Pilgrim tour. This is very exciting. You'll have to send me some pictures. Very exciting. This is very exciting. Hopefully, I do find the time to at least go to one of these two of these places. But I will say that uh, the phrase, I'll be on tour or I'm going on tour, these are phrases I very much enjoy saying as much as possible <laughs> at the moment. I am finding just many ways, friends, family, anyone really, to just to mention, even like people I don't even really know that well, where like trying to arrange a coffee with, with people and stuff or whatever, like journalists and etc you know you know what my life's like now this mm-hmm. is like a legit thing by the way and then it's mm-hmm. like oh uh i can't meet next week because i'm gonna be on tour in america i just say i'm gonna be on tour like i leave it super ambiguous because it just sounds so cool but that but you, you should say you're you're on tour overseas like that i, I forget that it's oh, canada too yeah. but you know what i'm, I'm overs- saying like i'm on my overseas tour exactly I'm going to japan or something right you never know could be australia for all we know yeah i'm picking japan <laughs> all right so we record we are recording on tuesday the 16th of yep. october you are departing when um i'm departing on saturday the 20th okay and you're off to chicago chicago and you've been there several times before right once oh okay yeah i love chicago it's a great town yeah it's great i'm excited to go back to chicago again excellent and then the festivities in chicago are what exactly uh, the main thing is the uh, live episode of Upgrade on the 22nd. So Mr. Snell will be there as well. Yeah, J- Jason's flying in, and we're going to be doing a live episode. Again, time. Please observe time. But hopefully it's going to be a live draft. Ooh. Which I'm very excited about the possibility of a live draft. That will be interesting. I am excited for that. Yeah. All right. So then you're how long in Chicago? Like until Tuesday. Okay, so a couple of days, and then immediately from Chicago, you go where? Sure, straight to New York. By way of Richmond, you mean? Speak to my SVP of live events. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. All right, so you go straight to New York, and what's the mm-hmm. big festivities there? Uh, connected Live. And that is with our Italian friend as well? No. Oh. We have a guest. We have oh, okay. a special guest. Oh, how, how special a special yeah. guest? pretty special guest is it me yes i oh. hope you got your invite <laughs> well, i should probably book some travel then because this is news it. to me also doing some in-store events oh tell me Fa- more for the pen addict there's a place called the fountain pen hospital the fountain um, pen um, hospital yeah yeah it's like a shop and repair shop for fountain pens it's, mm. a, a, it's like a new york institution um and we're going to be doing what is called an in-store event where me and Brad go, it's like a meetup basically, but in a store and mm. that store kind of advertises it to their customers and closes the store. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we're doing one of those. Um, then also whilst we're in New York, we're on, I think this is on the morning of the show day of the connected show day. Uh, we're doing a um, stationary tour of New York. So going to some of the hot stationary tour, like shops in New York and I'm shooting a little video of it, which is available for the Pen Addict backers. Because part of all of this, and part of why we did this, is that we could uh, couple this tour onto the Pen Addict stuff that I'm doing. So mm. it like allowed us to put these two things together. Because the plan was always go to New York, do a New York stationary tour, and then go to the Toronto Pen Show. So we were able to couple the live shows that we wanted to do. We picked the cities so I could be in New York to go up to Toronto with Brad. Gotcha. And so how many days in New York, roughly? We're there until Friday. So like two or three days in New York as well? Well, Tuesday to Friday is a little bit longer. Okay. And how many times do you plan on going to John's Bleaker? At least once. That is the correct answer. This is one of those things where I hope I get to take like one person and then mention it to another person and take them. That, that, that you know I'm what okay I mean? With. As long as you say more than zero, I am happy with that. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go there at least one time, ideally more than one time. <laughs> You're a man after my own heart. I'm not yeah. buying this time, though. No, it's okay. <laughs> unless, you, unless you surprise me. Uh, so, all right, listeners, here's the thing. 
this has all happened in the past, but uh, I had strongly kicked that idea around. But this is a heinously inconvenient time for me because it is all of the fall festivities that happen both mm-hmm. in our family and in general, but also Declan's birthday is at the very end of the month. And so there's a whole bunch of planning and prep and associated paraphernalia with that. So I had investigated with Steven the possibility of doing that. But unless I surprise myself, because hand on heart, that unless is not the intention. this is a double fake out. This could I be a wish, double fake no, out. I, this could be a double fake out. This is not a, this is not a triple turns out. I wish it was. Um, because honestly, I am not a good enough liar. And if this was me setting you up for it turns out, I would have been snickering and laughing and giggling and probably wouldn't have even attempted the double triple turns out uh, just for safety's sake. But uh, the thought did cross my mind. It's just unfortunately, as as well, as always happens with the two of us, the timing is just terrible. And and I'm sad about that. But one of these times it is my goal to surprise you. And I really, truly mean that. But today or the, well, I shouldn't say today, but th- this month is not that time, unfortunately. If you have never seen the video of me surprising Casey um, it is a couple of years ago uh in in virginia i will put a link to it in the show notes that was really fun i might watch that again actually that was a good video <laughs> it was a good video i miss your vlogs i understand why you why you kind of stopped it but I, I do miss them follow me on instagram that's true yeah i've been trying i don't know you probably noticed i'm trying to up my insta game mm-hmm. oh i've noticed i'm jelly i'm totally jelly of your insta prowess and uh it's really is fulfilling the same creative itch that the vlogging did for me but with about one-tenth the effort, I assume. With about one-thousandth of the effort. <laughs> it's a lot easier. Yeah. No, I, I, I feel like my day-to-day, as I've said to you in the past, my day-to-day is not interesting enough to justify any sort of vlogging-like activity, like Insta Stories. But every once in a while, I think to myself, oh, you know what? I no, but that's the challenge, it. though. That's the challenge. Mm, touche, touche. Right? Th- and this is what I've been enjoying of, like, how do I find at least something pretty much every day to share? And that's the challenge. It has made me come to a realization that I wanted to share with oh, you tell me about, about Instagram and FOMO. Oh, here we go. Okay. Right? Because I feel like a lot of people, like, and we had a question like this on Upgrade like a couple of weeks ago, like does, where somebody asked us if in, what, like looking at Instagram makes them sad, right? Like if it does it for us as well. And it's like a FOMO thing. And I kind of realized something about stuff like social media, which is it it seems on the face of it pretty simple, but it had never really crossed my mind before. I think that there is for a lot of people this like bias that you see in the way that things are shared. So I share things on Instagram that typically I find interesting. So like I'm doing something or I'm going somewhere or I'm seeing someone, right? Like something's happening. So I share stuff. I don't just share me sitting on the sofa um, looking at my iPad, right? Like I share things that I'm doing, things that I find exciting. So there's like a confirmation bias that people believe that I'm always doing something (laughs) interesting, right? Because if all somebody ever shares is the interesting stuff that they're doing... Every time you ever see something from that person, you assume that it's interesting. So therefore, you assume that they are always doing interesting things. Do you know what I mean? Sure. You're kind of following me? Yeah, yeah. So I think that's the thing, right? That like you look at people, what they're doing on Instagram, and you're like, oh, they've got such like great, interesting, exciting lives. But it's just people are just sharing the interesting things. In an otherwise with- mundane life. Or in an otherwise regular life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like there is, there is always an in, there's always interesting stuff to that happens that you can share, whether it's funny stuff or weird stuff or exciting stuff or whatever. And I think that there is this thing that we like our brains just tune into the fact that every time Casey shares something, he's doing something exciting. So therefore, Casey must always be doing exciting things. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Uh, so does that make you try harder to to show things that are less on the surface exciting or do you just no. or it makes you try harder to make exciting out of nothing so to speak i try my hardest to show things that i find interesting in some way okay. um because it's like i consider my instagram stories is still some kind of form of entertainment for people 
mm-hmm. because I know that's what I like, right? When I'm looking through people's stories, I want to see cool, funny, interesting, weird things that are going on or like somebody's proud of something and they show it or someone's worked at something and they show you it. You know, like I, I want to see stuff like I think that that's what makes the medium interesting to me. Like I can see what people are up to. I can see what they're working on. Um, I can see funny things that they found, right? Like places that they're at, which look beautiful and sunsets. And you know what I mean? Like that's what I want to see from my Instagram stories. So that's kind of what I tried to put out into the world too. That makes sense. Now I've been, uh, I've been trying to keep an eye toward Insta stories. And I think some of that is being, I'll use the word jealous. I'm not sure it's entirely the right word. Maybe it's kind of FOMO, but I, I admire that you've kind of, dived dove whatever the right tense the word is you you've jumped in um kind of headfirst into this and and i feel like every other platform again not a word i'm in love with but every other platform that comes and goes i'm always late to youtube being a great example and i'm not saying that that insta stories is the next big thing but i feel like it's kind of fun and interesting and enjoyable and low effort which is a, a unique trait of Insta stories is that they're not very high effort, at least in the way that you and I are doing them, especially you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're like, it's, and that's part of the joy of it is like, exactly. It's easy and scrappy and like, do not take an hour or two of editing. If you're lucky to get out a two minute Instagram story, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally hear you. All right, we got sidetracked. Uh, But since we're sidetracked, do you want to tell me about something that's awesome? Yes, I will. Today's episode is brought to you in part by our friends over at Linode. Linode have uh, amazing tools. They have the very best options available for you to get your own virtual server up and running. It all lives in the Linode cloud, and you can be started in just under a minute. Linode offer industry-leading performance. They have native SSD storage, and they can give you access to a 40-gigabit network with machines running Intel E5 processors. They have 10 data centers spread across the world. This means you can serve your customers faster than ever before. They have an API that allows you to easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud, and everything is manageable via the command line. All of Linode's pricing tiers feature hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services like backups and no balances. Linode has amazing pricing options available. They have plans that start with one gigabyte of RAM, and they go all the way up to 16 gigabytes of RAM and more with their high memory plans. And that one gigabyte of RAM plan just costs you $5 a month, which is a fantastic deal. As a listener of this show, if you sign up right now at linode.com slash analog, that's L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash analog, you'll be supporting us and also getting yourself a wonderful $20 credit towards any Linode plan. So if you sign up for the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that's going to get you four free months. So that's definitely worth trying out, right? And with a seven-day money-back guarantee as well, there's absolutely nothing to lose with Linode. So go to linode.com slash analog. This is where you can learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or you can use the promo code ANALOG2018 to ANALOG2018 at checkout. Our thanks to Linode for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. All right, so we left your boy podcasting Don Mike Hurley back in New your York. Your boy! Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did that for you. Uh, so you're, you're in New York for a couple of days. Hopefully you go to John's Obliquer. Unfortunately, I won't be surprising you as much as I genuinely would love to. And then you said you were off to Toronto after that? Yes, Toronto. Um, we're going to be going up, doing two things in Toronto. We're doing another in-store event uh, at a place called Wonder Pens, um, which is a big Toronto pen shop, which looks really interesting. And then we are heading over to the Toronto Pen Show. Um, me and Brad and Anna are just going to be hanging out. We're, we're not selling anything. We're not doing any live shows or anything like that. We're just going to go and check out what the pen show is all about. We can meet people that are there and just have a really good day hanging out there. Um, and then uh, we're going to record an episode kind of in our hotel room, old school style. Um, we we tend not to do uh, live shows for our first time at a pen show because we need to scope out what the place is going to be like. So maybe if we ever go back to Toronto, we could do a show with an audience but yeah so that that's going to kind of be the way that it is and then i'm staying i was supposed to be leaving on monday but my flight got canceled so i got moved to tuesday <laughs> so then i'm just going to be a kind of hanging out in toronto getting some work done 
Um, no, you're not. You're going to be chasing around Scott Pilgrim no, no, filming no, no, locations no, no, no. is what you're going to be gonna doing. It's not going to take a lot of time. It's not going to take all my time. Mm-hmm. I like to do this. It's, it's kind of cool. Like If there is a possibility for me to extend a trip for one day and be on my own for that day, I can catch up on a lot of the work in an uninterrupted environment before I leave, and that really kind of helps with my anxiety for when I get home. Yeah, that is nice. Of having too much to do. So, um, but it all depends on many other factors now as to whether I will be home on Wednesday or not. I'm not sure yet, uh, but we'll see. Awesome. Well, I hope it it is slash was slash will be a good trip. This is the problem with recording in advance, but uh, but I hope it goes well. And, you know, when preparing the show notes for this week, it occurred to me that I think we've spoken about this a little bit in the uh, in the past, but I thought it may be worth revisiting um, how it is to travel. And I have some thoughts on this, but but you travel considerably more than I do. Um, even when I had a more traditional job, I didn't travel for it terribly often, or at least not the last couple of jobs I've had. But I wanted to ask you a little bit about, you know, travel and how, you know, you travel a lot. So let me start by revisiting, you know, do you think of yourself as a good traveler? Now I do. <laughs> I feel the same way about myself. Like I wasn't, right? But like, I can get anxious about traveling and I still do. But if I'm on my own, I have a, a, a proven established system that works. Being with other people means that I have to deal with other people. And <laughs> other people like to do things their way, right? And like this goes down from friends to my wonderful wife who understands and has thankfully uh, for me and probably for her as well, adapted a little bit of our like joint travel system to, to be a little bit more on my side. And I try and cool it a bit when we're traveling together, but you know, I can't help it. Like I I get anxious about missing the plane. So I like to be at an airport early. So if I have a transatlantic flight, I like to get there three and a half hours before if, you know, if we're going into Europe, I would ideally like to be there two and a half hours before, but I have been happy to compromise on two hours, you know? So me and Adina work together on this. Like she knows that, that I get anxious about it and, over time, we've kind of met in the middle a little bit more um, about kind of the way that, that we are when we travel. But she knows that I'm going to be more difficult than usual on days like that because <laughs> I get worked up about everything. Um, it's because, I don't know, there's like a couple of things. Like One is just because traveling long distances, like getting on planes and stuff can be a stressful uh exercise for for a lot of people including me and also i'm so used to traveling on my own now in like in certain ways that when things get broken out of that system it can throw me for a little bit of a loop so that's kind of just how i am but by and large i am again like if i'm on my own i am a very good traveler like i there's a few things that i do that I do every single time and they make my situation easier. I always check a bag and always have a carry-on. doesn't matter where I'm going. Like I went to Europe, I have, I check a bag. And this is to, to eliminate stresses because then I'm not dealing with needing specific travel-sized toiletries and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't have to worry about any of that. I don't have problems at the security line because something's been checked or whatever. Like I like to just get in and get out and I always overpack because that means that I always have what I need, right? Like I'm an overpacker, but it doesn't bother me because I'll always have what I need. Um, I eat in the airport, always plan to eat in the airport. Um, All of the airports that I go to frequently enough, I know the place that I'm going to go and eat in them. You know, like I've just kind of picked out the restaurant or whatever that is the one that I like and I go to that one because I go to a lot of airports uh, many times, you know. <laughs> so, like, there are airports that I know that, like, um, San Francisco International has barely any options in it. They have actually opened a couple of places, and there's one place which is pretty decent in there now that I can't remember the name of, but begins with a G. But, like, don't expect to have a big meal before your flight at San Francisco International. So, whilst I get something to eat, I will try to eat something larger before I get to the airport or before I pass through departures because they have more restaurants before departures than in the international terminal. I do not understand this. The San Francisco domestic terminal is awesome. The international terminal is junk. Um, Hmm. I always buy snacks for the flight. I'll buy a bottle of water. 
um, some chips, some crisps, as I would call them, <laughs> and a chocolate bar. Put them in my backpack, and they're always there. So if I'm hungry on the on the flight or whatever, and there isn't any options for me, then I've, I've always got something, right? Always got something. Um, and I always pack in my carry-on more than I need to entertain myself. So I, I pick, bring lots of things. You know, I'm getting on flights for 11 hours sometimes, and... <sighs> You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? Like, this yep. is frequent. You know, I, I take flights that last between like 8 and 11 hours. I might do that like 20 times a year, 15 times a year. That is bananas. Like, I understand it, but God. Like, that's a plane, right? Because it's return journeys is what I'm, t- I'm not taking 20 trips. Yeah. But I maybe take t- maybe somewhere between 7 to 10 transatlantic flights a year. So... I've gotten pretty good now at dealing with it. Um, it's the, the last third of the trip is the hardest. Like the flight is the hardest for me because uh, that's when the kind of the cabin fever starts to set in. Because I know it's like it's close enough now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like yeah. kind of like the last third of the trip is when I'm when I'm more frequently checking the uh, flight map to see. You know, like on those little screens that the flight yep. map yep. thing. That's when I'm kind of checking that. Uh, to see when how long it is until we land, um, I have gotten pretty good at sleeping on planes. Yeah, see, I'm well. terrible at that. I am truly terrible. I at couldn't it. until I started doing it a lot, and then so now, like, I know a couple of people that get like this. As soon as the plane takes off, I get sleepy. Oh, I'm so jealous, and I lean into that, and so I might get like an hour, right, at most, if I'm lucky, like I take a little nap. But that's an hour gone. That's like 10% of the flight gone, <laughs> right. right? You you knock that one out of the park. Yep. And it's why as well, when I'm flying back over, I try my very best to get a late flight because I don't always sleep. But if I can sleep, if I can get like five hours, even four hours of sleep on a flight, right, that is half decent, then I'm going to be so much better when I get home. Yeah, yeah. Then, you know what I mean? Then mm-hmm. trying to do the flight that arrives earlier in the afternoon and then trying to stay awake like it, I, it just doesn't work for me so um yeah i try that's another kind of tip of mine i i like to ideally arrive in the afternoon in america and in the morning in london but it, i can't always do that yeah i have i have never been a good plane sleeper and i take I am only usually guaranteed one plane trip a year, which is from the East Coast to the West Coast for WWDC. And usually there's at least one other trip that I take at some point for some reason, but that's the only Mm -hmm. time I've ever really, I'm ever pretty consistently on a plane. And I never sleep on those flights. I always try to leave real early, um, you know, the, the day, I guess it's the Saturday before, I'll leave real early and go to the West Coast, visit my two brothers who are in Southern California. And then wake up again fairly early uh, to go from the from Southern California to Northern California to the to the big conference. But but no, I, uh, some of these things are funny. Some of them I think you do much better than me. Some of them I think I've followed in your footsteps. Uh, several years ago, before kids, I was doing a lot of work in the LA area for my job, and so I went out there over the span of two or three months. I must have been out there four or five times or something like that. And so by force, I quickly had to get better at flying, both because it would just suck up my day if I got to the airport, you know, eighty-four hours early, as I also like to do. Um, but especially on the return trips, what would end up happening is I would constantly be uh, waiting for other people in my party, you know, other other coworkers to get their act together and get to the airport. And so I was becoming ever more nervous as these events were happening. And eventually it just occurred to me, you know, you just got to let this go. And I'll never forget being on an L.A. Uh, on, on a shuttle at LAX from like the rental car return to the to the terminal, like probably pretty much running a marathon while seated, you know, my legs were shaking so much because I think we had to board a flight at like nine thirty, ten o'clock in the evening. And it was like nine o'clock and we weren't even in the terminal yet. And I was losing my junk, but eventually, you know, we got on the plane just fine. Didn't miss it. And it, in combination th- that one moment and me learning how much of a pain in the rear it is to check a bag has gotten me to be much, much better. I'm no longer, quite the overpacker I was, although I still have overpacking tendencies and I don't arrive quite as early as the air- at the airport as I used to, although I definitely have those moments and left to my own devices would probably still do that, you know, if I wasn't traveling with others. 
I think it is a thing that you kind of can get used to, but before that, it's such an infrequent thing in your life that you don't have the ability to make a system. Yeah. You know, like, I know this is, for me, like, I would maybe take one big trip every year if I was lucky, um, and, you know, that was a huge thing where like for the a full week before like i'm printing stuff and i'm making yep, yep, a yep. file you know me what too. i mean me too i did the exact and now thing. now i pack the day before and just like leave and and i'm not kidding like there are times i can't remember what trip this was recently where i had like forgotten about it basically <laughs> for like a couple of days before and then i got the notification that i needed to pack from to do it and i was like oh yeah oh that's the thing. like this one like i barely I'm not really thinking about the fact that I'm leaving on Saturday. I'm more just focused on getting everything done beforehand. But it isn't it isn't a thing for me anymore because I am lucky enough uh that I'm able to do this because we're probably you were probably gonna ask me about this, but like it's my this is like one of my favorite things in the entire world is to travel. Um I love it, right? Like I love doing it. I actually think we spoke about this last time a little bit too, but it's why I do it. It's why I travel as much as I do. Like, I set a, a, a significant amount of money aside to do this every to do all these things, right? And or like try and plan my life in specific ways so I can travel because I enjoy it. Like, I get to see my friends and I get to go to new places. I get to make new memories. Like, there are achievements waiting for me in some of these places. You know, like it is a it is a great it is a great thing that I enjoy, that I value very highly in my life and I feel very fortunate that I'm able to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I I totally hear you. And to go back to our aside earlier about Instagram and Insta, Insta stories, I find that if I see an Insta story about somebody driving a Lamborghini or going on a plane first class overseas, I don't actually get that much FOMO from it. You know, I don't actually feel that terribly jealous. Would I love to have a Lamborghini? Absolutely, I would. Would I love to fly overseas <laughs> first class? Yes, I would. But maybe to really feel the FOMO, you have to experience it first. It Maybe. But the you thing know? I was going to say is that when it really hits, when I really get jealous, and, and the only time that Instagram really ever makes me sad oh, yes, is when I yes. see my friends together. So uh, you know, This is my biggest one. Mm-hmm. If I ever see my friends together and I'm not there for whatever reason, that's when I'm like, oh, man. Like, I know how much fun they're having. Exactly. And that's the thing yeah. is I presume that you will try to make some time for the Armints when you're in New York. And I presume that that will end up on Insta stories. And I will I will shed the one lonely tear when I see yep. it because I'm going to be so jealous. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Maybe yeah, you should right. mute me. <laughs> I probably should. <laughs> Do, have you a lot? Of, have you muted a lot of people on Insta stories? Uh, I've muted some Insta stories. Or I've muted posts because there are some people that use things very differently. Like I care about one or the other, mm-hmm. right? Because I have people who like in their posts, they share things about their life in their Insta stories. They're just flogging their business constantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So like, you know, I kind of, or like um, I follow some artists to look at their artwork, but I'm, I don't know them or I'm not interested in them personally yet. So like, I care about their artwork and not their Insta stories. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which maybe I, sounds a bit rough, but I don't no, know. I, I, I like to follow my friends and I like to follow celebrities that I feel some attachment to. That's kind of who I follow on Instagram. So like I will keep one or the other depending on like what that person provides content wise. Oh, and that reminds me, actually, we got one piece of feedback when we had asked for uh, good Instagram accounts. I don't know if this went to us or to me, but somebody had sent it in. I don't have it handy, but somebody had sent in some Instagram accounts that they recommended that were from, you know, not white dudes. And I haven't had a chance to look through it, but I will try to put that in the next episode as homework for me, you know, to to look through these and and recommend the ones that I also like. So please send those in if you haven't. Yeah, and we'll recommend, yeah, that that people keep sending those if you have the ideas. We'd love to know them. So anyway. But uh, yeah, what else do you want? Is there anything else you wanted to know about my travel preferences? Why do you why do you check a bag? Like I heard what you said before about you know not having to worry about squeezing everything into a little a little tiny place. But the reason that I have mostly given up on checking bags is because the stress of losing agency over my luggage 
is enough to prevent me from checking a bag unless I'm like going overseas or going on a long, long, long trip. You know, I want to know that my luggage is always in sight of me so that this way I know that it is, it has made it to my destination. Now, to be fair, I've only had once or twice in my life an issue when luggage hasn't made it the same day and the same time I did. And that was when I was a kid. So this fear is probably, you know, silly, but I just feel better knowing my luggage is with me. And it seems like you don't have that affliction, despite you and I sharing many of the same nervous tics and tendencies when re- with regard to flying. I know that stuff gets lost, but I know that they're also pretty decent at finding things, right? Like the airline and or whatever, and they'll bring it to you. Um, but I have some, I have some practical and ideological reasons for why I check bags. So I will say, like, first off, I do prepare for bag loss in some of the things that I carry with me. So I carry some su- super bare essentials in my backpack. The most important being my medication that I need every day. I mm-hmm. carry extra in my backpack. That's so. Smart. If I lost my bag for a couple of days, my thinking is, I'm going to big cities by and large. I can get whatever I need, right? If I need underwear and a t-shirt, I can I can go to like whatever store, right? Like Target or whatever and get that, right? Like that's the thing that I can do. I can just go and pick that stuff up. Or if I need a toothbrush, right? Like a lot of hotels will actually have the ability to provide some of that stuff for you, let alone my ability to go to a drugstore and buy things, right? So like my my thinking is by and large, I'm, I'm able to make do until the airline gives me the stuff. And I know that there are going to be stories of people who lost their bags forever or lost their bags for the entire week. Like I get it, but my other reasons for it like outweigh it for me. So one is... I want stuff that I want in my backpack to help me get through the flights. So this is stuff like my Nintendo Switch, my headphones, my iPad, right? Like power adapters, external battery packs. Like that's not all going to fit in a carry-on along with all of the clothes that I need for a week. I mentioned I was an overpacker, right? Right, right, right. Most of my trips are international for at least a week. So Mm, I typically mm -hmm. need a big enough bag for that, right? Um, and you're never safe in your bag, like checking it, because if the plane is full, they will just check it for you and then you lose everything, right? Like it's all gone now. Um, and also I have an ideological problem with people that take big roller bags onto a plane and stuff them into the overhead and Mm. take up the space for everyone else. I hate that. It's one of my biggest pet peeves for traveling that people are somehow able to bring these massive suitcases, like literal suitcases that are checked like roll-ons and like, they bring them on the plane and they stuff them in the thing and it's like it's too much space and they, they're too big and it annoys me. So I don't like to carry anything more than like a super small um, either a backpack, so like I take my backpack, or like a small checked bag, so like my away bag is a small one, right? Like my away case, that's kind of the maximum that I would go to. Like there are bigger ones than this, or the ones that have like those huge expandable portions and people buy a bunch of stuff in the airport and they stuff it in their bag and then they like occupy over half of the, or three quarters of the overhead storage. I can't stand it, so I don't do it. I I totally hear you. It's very frustrating to me when I see somebody with a tremendous bag trying to... How did they get it in? I don't know how they got it through the thing. You're supposed to do the, you know, like where you dunk it in the wire rack or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, I know what you're saying. I just don't get how they get it on the plane. Yeah, my other favorite is when it's a small human, and that could mean a child, a small man, a small woman, doesn't matter, but someone who is physically incapable of lifting their bag over their head. And so they're carrying this like 90 pound carry on and yes. trying to stuff if it in. If you can't the... lift it, you can't put it in the overhead. Yep. Yep. It's right. The best. Okay. Unless you're super old or you have some kind of disability. I agree with you. That's perfectly there. fine. Yep. I'm glad right? you said but that. If you are able enough that you could lift a bag which is not completely full, right? then you're good. But if you if you are able and you, you struggle to get the bag up there, it means you've got too much stuff, so you should probably be checking it. Yep, I agree. All right, let's do something that's awesome, and then we'll keep going. 
This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. They will let you easily create a website for your next idea or project. You can get a unique domain name. You can customize award-winning templates. You can integrate a store. You can have access to 24-7 customer support. No matter what it is you want to do, Squarespace have got the tools that you need because they're an all-in-one platform. You can build anything you want on Squarespace. There's nothing to install or patch or upgrade. Everything is right there available to you in the web browser. What is called WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. So you are editing your Squarespace website and it's changing right in front of your eyes so you can make sure that everything that you want is exactly what you need. And then when you've made your edits, you can publish it and it's all said and done. So you can can make all these changes and no one's going to see them until you're perfectly happy with them and then you can put them out to the world. And in fact... You can try all this stuff out without even signing up for a plan because Squarespace have a free trial. You don't need to give them any credit card info, but you can go in and customize a website to your heart's content. To get that, you just want to go to squarespace.com slash analog. I have been using Squarespace for years. If you want to create a website to discuss your best travel tips, Squarespace could be the place for you. Maybe you have an upcoming event. Maybe you run your own small business. No matter what type of website you want to make, they've got the tools. Trust me. This is why I've used them for about 10 years at this point, which is a wild and somewhat horrifying thing for me that I've been using <laughs> Squarespace for that long. Nothing to do with Squarespace, purely because of how I feel about my age. So Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can get 10% off if you use the offer code ANALOG. So you can get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You'll also be showing your support for this show as well. Once again, that is squarespace.com slash analog and the code analog to get 10% off your first purchase. So thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. What else is uh, challenging about travel? Just the time. Like, and I said, like, I can, it's not for me the flight. It's like everything else. Like, you're looking at five hours before right? So the time to get to the airport and be in the airport. And then the multiple hours going through passport control, getting your bag, getting to the hotel or whatever. Like It's like, you know, a lot of the time you're like clocking up towards 20 hours since you left your home. Like that is a, it's a big thing. And it's, it's the disruption of that, um, which is like everything that that can disrupt. And the moment when we land, and I'm and I'm dreading the service connecting on my phone. It's like, what horrors? <laughs> what horrors await me um, when like? And then it's like all these emails pour in and all these notifications pour in, and it's like, all right, so I know what I'm doing for the next hour in the back of a taxi on right, my right. way to the airport, right? Like dealing with this influx of stuff. Um, but that you know. That's the biggest thing. It's just disruption and the disruption that a trip can put on your work life when you get home, what it can do to you before you leave. You know, like if you're going on some kind of trip where, and I do lots of trips where I am working as mostly as normal, right? Like I'm just not recording as much, but everything Mm -hmm. else uh, I'm doing as normal. You know, I can respond into emails, I'm taking calls, like I'm doing all that kind of stuff. And that can be easier, but there's always a disruption because then it's like something like this, right? Where we're recording in advance on a day that I have other stuff that I would normally do, right? And so because we want to make sure we have a show because it would be too difficult to do one on that. Like it's that level of disruption. And there is also this funny thing where like, I don't let this bother me too much because there's kind of nothing I can do about it. But this was noticed the most during the period of time that was my wedding is the knock-on disruption that you can cause to people, right? Like, me doing this with you might mean that you had to move something with someone else who had to move something with someone else who had to move something with someone else. <laughs> right, right, right. Like, it was wild during the wedding, right? Like, I was seeing all this stuff happening and was like, I know I'm responsible for that. And it was kind of funny for me in a way, but but it's a real it's a real thing, right? Like, if you, especially because, you know, everyone kind of works with each other in some way in, in our group mm-hmm. that... The the, the the six degrees of separation issue is a, is a real problem. Yeah, because it's like one to two degrees of separation. Yes. <laughs> I hear you. Um, I completely echo what you're saying about the accessory or ancillary travel time. You know, the Richmond airport is something like half an hour from my house. Don't be creepy. And it's almost never traffic-y to get there. So it's not like the sort of thing where 
you have to leave 40 hours in advance in case there is traffic because you can't ask the plane to wait for you. You know what I mean? Like, so if we fly out of Dulles, for example, Dulles is something like two hours from our house, something, something to that effect, but we'll typically leave three to four hours in advance because you never know if, if the road between Dulles and us is going to be a parking lot, which happens not irregularly. So anyway, that is frustrating you know, dealing with all the paraphernalia after you arrive, even as even if you're traveling domestically, is frustrating. So I totally, uh, I totally agree with you. My final question about this, um, and then we can move on. Is do you have any traditions? And we may have spoken about this. And I remember, I'm pretty sure I remember there was a Hello Internet where this was discussed. But are there any traditions you have to keep you safe? For example, I, I will hopefully spur your thought process by sharing some of mine. Uh, every time I get in the plane, I have to touch the exterior of the plane, both on the right-hand side and above my head as I'm entering okay. the plane to touch the All outside right. of the plane. Hang on a second. These are not traditions to keep you safe. Oh, they? no. These if I don't are... do it, I will I will die. No, no, no. <laughs> these, are not, these are not traditions to keep you safe. They are like... Uh, compulsions they are what is what is the word that i'm looking for they are like superstitions superstitions that you have this may be better to put it that way as opposed to like things that you have to do otherwise something no no, no. the happens. plane the plane would fall out of the sky if i don't touch ah. the outside of it you don't understand but yeah i i mean me and you know that right but you know I'm, <laughs> <laughs> so what do you have to do to keep yourself uh airborne anything i don't have anything like really Huh. Yeah. This isn't like this isn't I have compulsions. I have superstitions, but nothing to do with flying. Interesting. Mine are mostly about the placement of objects. Probably shouldn't be saying this to people. <laughs> I like things to be placed in my vicinity in certain ways and will slightly move things if they're not right. Do you have any compulsion with regard to like even or odd numbers of things? Um, no, but I know what you mean. Like turning a light switch or whatever. No, I don't have any. Well, like not that. exactly. So like my brother-in-law or one of my brother's-in-law, brother, brother-in-laws, whatever. Anyway, uh, he has to have an even number of ice cubes in his glass and the television volume sure. has to be an even number. No, I don't have that. Okay. Yeah, for me, I don't typically have much like that, except when I get on a plane, I need to touch the right-hand side of the porthole or whatever the vestibule is called. And you do the ring turn and thing, right? And I'd have to touch the top. Then as I'm taking off, I will typically spin my wedding ring. Have you gotten into that at all? It's like a nervous tip. Oh, I'm crazy with it. I can't stop playing with this thing. (laughs) I drop it all the time because I'm like taking off one finger with my hand and I'm crazy with it. Fair enough. If you listen very carefully, it's made its way into some shows. Like halfway through a <laughs> sentence, I've dropped my wedding ring. Whoops. And then my uh, final superstition, which I should probably keep to myself, but here we are. Is, nah, we uh, shouldn't be sharing these, right? Like the, yeah. You're just going to get a bunch of like people, like armchair psychiatrists over oh, yeah. the next week or two telling us what's wrong with us. Yeah, well, I'll give you one better. If you ever see me on the final day of WWDC when I'm on my way home, uh, I have my special going home to my family under undergarments that I have to wear. Uh, in, in order to keep me safe. It's what? only on the way home. Only on the way home. But you have traveling home pants? Uh, I would not call them pants, but yes. What you would call pants, and I would not call pants. I have a special set that is just oh, for traveling man. home to keep me safe. Casey, that's a big one. It's important. They never get used throughout the year except then. It's important. That's wild. Yeah. I love that. It's terrible. It's it's preposterous. And I'm, and Aaron what do is they going, look like? <laughs> so they're um they're they're boxer briefs or uh, boxer mm-hmm. shorts i should say that uh, aaron got me years ago that say i love you except it's a four-leaf clover instead of a heart because my birthday is saint patrick's day and so i don't know how that became the um, i guess it's because oh, i was coming home to they're aaron so war- they're beautifully tacky too yeah it they? is isn't it um and so that i think that be- that started as i'm coming home to aaron so i should have on some some nice uh, undergarments to indicate to her how much i missed her and then it became just general i the plane will the plane will fall out of the sky if i do not have these on oh my god and i will deeply that was so much better than i hoped it would be this is definitely going to get cut from the show because i'm deeply embarrassed no no way this is staying in because i just keep making reference to your your flying um, i have my flying pants do you? But they're, they're no, but they are tracksuit pants, right? That I wear. My oh, well, so that's ones that I talk that's about. my definition of pants. 
Yeah, the, the, but your pants, your flying pants, this, that's a whole different that's a whole different level, my friend. I am so happy that you shared this story <laughs> this, with me. This, this makes is a gift me, for you. Uh, this is. It's like it, you don't have to get me anything for Christmas or my birthday because <laughs> you've given me the, the greatest gift. I feel like I need to share something. Like I need something to try and help you out, but I can't. Yeah, because you're I not can't a, think of anything. You're not a weirdo like me. That's what it is. No, I am a weirdo. I am a weirdo. <laughs> Right, like the, the 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 my desire to have things moved. Like this has been a thing that I've had since I was a kid. Where like if I got any new toys, I would keep them by my side all mm-hmm. the time. So like I think it comes. It's like it comes from that somehow. That like I like things in my vicinity to be placed just right. And I can only imagine because this happens that I am currently at the moment that Adina is listening to this show, she is texting me about all of the weird things that I do that I don't know that I that I do. Adina, I'm, don't text Mike. Text me. Send me yeah, those Yes, so you can share them. I'll drop those little bombs on you here and there just for funsies. Oh, goodness. All right, why don't we uh, clear the air and why don't you tell me about something that's awesome? This episode is brought to you by Pingdom, the company who make website performance monitoring super, super easy because everybody loves fast websites. Everybody loves their website to be accessible to the people that are coming to find it because it's not good if somebody wants to go to your website for whatever reason they're going to it for and it's down. And you don't want to have to wait to get an email or a tweet from someone to say, hey, your website's down. You want to know. And that's what's, that is what exactly Pingdom can do for you because... Pingdom can monitor any type of transaction on your website. Stuff like user registrations, logins, checkouts. It's not just about like, is my site up or down? It can also monitor all these tiny little dependencies to make sure that your users are having the smoothest experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you'll be the first to know and everything is super customizable. You can set different types of alert and notification levels and recipients of said notifications in a team depending on what's happening with the site. So like if certain site the web part of the website's down but it's not a critical importance you just send it to the person who's going to deal with it but if everything comes to a screeching halt everyone's going to know and that's what pingdom can offer you because they have the infrastructure that you're going to need to make that done they have all they have a ton of test servers around the world 70 in fact they emulate visits to your site as often as every minute to make sure that everything is hunky dory all pingdom needs is your url is that you want to give them and they'll take care of the rest it's super easy to get started just go to pingdom.com/relayfm right now and you'll get yourself a 14 day free trial with no credit card required when you sign up use the code analog at checkout and you'll get a huge 30% off your first invoice Thanks so much to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, let's do some Relayer feels. Woo! Brian wants to know: Are you two a part of any IRL clubs or communities? How important, if at all, are they now that the internet is where most enthusiast communities meet? I mean, I'm not. Uh, are you? Is that really true, though? I mean, I think these pen shows that are becoming ever more frequent those seem to kind of no, apply now they're online communities and clubs and like societies or whatever that have come from me being online right like it's just okay. meeting my online friends like i'm not a part of a club or society that i've kind of like joined up to you know like mm-hmm. which hasn't come out of my existing work like there's nothing that i do here in london on a frequent basis which is like of some organized nature. That's fair. Yeah, I think the only thing that sort of counts for me is um, Cars and Coffee, which that's I'm, what I was going to say. Yeah, I'm not a I'm not a member Card in the traditional member. sense. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's well, they actually uh, the local chapter has just started doing memberships, and I have not joined at this point. But um, I'm just another Why face not? in the crowd. I don't know. I just I I don't feel like in I don't feel like the perks are things that are i'm seeking out which maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong i don't know I'll, I'll have to think about it but the point is i'm just another face in the crowd but it is something that happens you know fortnightly that i try to go to anytime possible um and the only other thing that i think sort of counts which just occurred to me as i was speaking is uh is sports you know because aaron and i have season tickets to U- the university of virginia football team and so we will go and tailgate and see usually the same group of people uh, you know 
five, six times each fall and uh, and hang out with them. And that sort of kind of counts, I think. I think it definitely counts because it's not like friends in this in the typical like your situational acquaintances. Well, one of the, right? the the person we do we always tailgate with is a friend, but everyone yeah, else around me, yes, I would agree with that. That they're right? they're like, friends for the season, you know. Exactly. And and like you probably don't share that much outside of the football. Right. Yeah, that's right. Fair. But I don't think I am a part of anything like that really. Like I don't really have anything like that here in London. And mostly it just comes down to time for me. Like, I don't really feel like I have time for stuff like that. Yeah. Like, outside of my family commitments, my, you know, the time that I want to spend with my wife and the time that I'm working and traveling and whatever. Um, and it's mostly because, I mean, we've gone over this many times, I don't really have a pull for it because I feel like I'm spending time with people all the time. Like, I'm spending time with you right now. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that part of my brain is a lot of the time um, satisfied by what I do. But, like, this is the kind of stuff that I really recommend. Like, I don't know, maybe trying something like meetup.com or whatever. And, and if this is something that you're interested in, you know, find something which is of use to you, like of interest to you, and go to it. Yeah, like, I Adina used to do this sort of stuff when she was new in London, and she recommended to people. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. This one comes uh, via the way of Hiro, um, and this and this question is for you, Casey. Mm-hmm. Now that you're more in control of your time, how do you deal with stuff that you don't want to do, but also stuff that you don't want to do later on? So how do I deal with stuff I don't want to do now and also don't want to do later? That's a good question. Um, so I I like that distinction, by the way. Like, it's stuff that I'm not interested in right now or ever. <laughs> <laughs> Which is true. It really is true. Uh, so I have trained myself to pretty religiously do what the app DUE tells me because it nags me incessantly if I don't. And yes, I can kick the can down the road, which I have done from time to time. But generally speaking, if DUE, which Mike recommended to me, uh, if DUE tells me to do something, I'm usually pretty good about doing it. And so if there's something that I really don't feel like doing now, but I hope and I roll the dice that I'll be more amenable to later, then I'll put it in DUE and hope that when the next time comes around, I'll be more willing. And Generally speaking, I'm lucky enough to not have too much of these sorts of things, but it definitely happens from time to time. And my my life hack for myself or my, my self-hack, my Casey hack, is to put it in DUE. By and large, mine is similar in just the case of like... there, are, It's all in my to-do system, and I can postpone it if I want to, but things only get into my to-do system if they need to be done. So eventually this thing is going to have to be done. Yeah. This is one of the big differences actually about when you work for yourself. Believe it or not, it's actually easier to get out of things when you don't work for yourself <laughs> because the ramifications of something not being done in some instances you never see them. Yep. But the ramifications of things not being done when you make your own living means that something's going to go wrong that you have to deal with. You're going to be the one with the broom to clean up that mess later. So it's one of those things that, yes, you have the freedom because you don't have somebody, like, breathing down your neck in many, in in some instances, right? Like, because people still want you, need you for things or whatever, but um, you don't necessarily have somebody breathing down your neck for everything. But that actually adds a different type of impetus in you because it means that you are 100% responsible for it. And then that can cause new and exciting issues like the tax man. Yes, indeed. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just have to kind of buck up and do what you got to do. Sean asks, Casey, what are your thoughts on Wawa? <laughs> Do you have a go-to order? I don't know what a Wawa is. So Wawa is a gas station chain, or at least that's the way I think of it. And maybe... Okay. So it was... Let me just preface everything I'm about to say with, 
I am not trying to present this as the canonical history of Wawa. This is just my super simplified understanding of Wawa. Wawa is a very popular chain of gas stations in the Pennsylvania, in the state of Pennsylvania that is spread throughout the mid-Atlantic. And, um, and, and they offer food, among other things. And the food there is like a Subway. And I, I presume, Mike, you're familiar with Subway sandwiches, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Um, they do breakfast foods if memory serves, and they do sandwiches and things like that. And people who like Wawa really, really like Wawa. Like why? a lot. Why, why? <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I, I like Wawa. I mean, it's good. Um, there's... Also, a little bit of a religious battle over Wawa versus Sheets. That's S H E E T Z. Or in oh, Mike's... things I bought at Sheets. Mm, exactly. You don't. No, never mind. It's a reference. People got it. You didn't. Okay. Fair enough. Um, no, but Sheets, uh, which uh, you would you would spell Mike S H E or S H E T Z. Exactly. You ruined my joke, man. God, give me a chance. I know. Um, anyways, they're both very similar. Uh, Sheets offers their MTO, which people actually say kind of non-ironically, which is their made-to-order. And what's interesting about Sheets, and I think this is true of Wawa as well, is that you go up to a kiosk and you know, you punch in your order. I want a sandwich. I want ham. I want turkey. I want this. I want that. And and then you get a number, and then you wait for your number to be called. And this happened long before like McDonald's or Panera or other equivalent eateries were doing that sort of thing. So what are my thoughts on Wawa and Sheets? They're good. I like them. I almost never seek them out. I would almost always go somewhere else. Like, you know, it's it's never a time that I think to myself, hmm, Firehouse Subs, Subway, Jersey Mike's, Jimmy John's, Potbelly. Oh, I got it. I'm going to Wawa. And if you're from Pennsylvania, that's probably you just offensive. said a bunch of things that I don't understand. <laughs> They're all like equivalent sandwich eateries, like Panera. If you I know like. Jimmy John's because Brock Lesnar has that logo on his trunks. Uh, good to know. I did not. I'm know just that. giving. I'm trying to throw some stuff at you that that you might. Yeah, I'm aware know. he's a wrestler of some sort. Yeah, it, he like it's weird because he was in UFC or whatever, so they kind of let him keep some sponsorship. It's kind of strange, but that is super weird. Anyway, Wawa's good. Do I have a go-to order? Nope. Sorry, but Lex wants to know. Hey, Mike, how's your house? Are you still happy there? We moved over a year ago, just over a year ago, and we're really happy in our house. But funny how some things never really get finished. Now we're fun. Now we're finally getting a new floor in the living room and all our smart bulbs now that IKEA's are HomeKit enabled. So, Mike, how's the house? We have we have come to the realization that most people that buy homes come to is that it's never finished. Nope. Never finished. Nope. We, we are very happy with our current situation. Um, touch wood. We haven't had anything bad happen um, since we moved in here. Like, there hasn't been anything that needs replacing. Like, that is significant. You know, mm-hmm. so this place is doing us great. We have everything we want here. It's it's slowly getting more decorated to the way that we want it to. You know, we have things on the walls and stuff like that. So uh, we're super happy. Um, now I'm just waiting for subsequent changes, which will occur, um, where I may have to move the my office before we leave here. But like our plan is still to like to move when our five year t- like fixed mortgage is up. What would make you move your office before that time? If we need the room for something else. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not coming soon, by the way. <laughs> I wanted soon. I wanted so badly to pull on that thread, but you'll notice I just walked away. It's not yep, we've it's not soon. It's not coming soon. Fair enough. This is and yep. Moving on. <laughs> In keeping with our travel related theme, Brad would like to know if you sat next to Tim Cook on a plane, would you speak to him? I've had to think about this one a lot. This is I've been thinking about this question basically all day. Because I don't know what I would do. I don't right? either. Now, I tell you what I know I wouldn't do. Bother him. Right? Like, I wouldn't... If we're getting on, like, a three-hour plane journey or whatever, I'm not going to sit there and talk to Tim. Right? I'm just not going to do that. I'm not going to put that on his life. Like, you've got to talk to me now for the next three hours. Mm-hmm. But I would definitely say something and would want to take a picture. And it's like, when do you do that, right? Like, do you do that at the beginning, or do you do it at the end? So here's because the thing. both are bad, right? No, both no. are bad in their own ways. Well, not, I, I slightly disagree. So what I would like to think I would do is say nothing, or as little as reasonably possible, and just go about my business until right around the end of the flight when I say, you know, hey, I just wanted to tell you before we leave, 
I really, you know, love Apple stuff. I really respect your work, blah, blah, blah. Would you mind if we can take a picture together and then let it go? But what I would probably do is crap my pants for the entire duration of the flight. Yep. Because here's the problem with telling him at the end. He's then got to think, what was I doing? Right? Yeah. Because now he knows you knew who he was, but you didn't say anything. But I feel like that's less bothersome than feeling like he has to put on a performance for three hours in this hypothetical yeah, but what three if, hour flight. So here's the other thing I was thinking, right? So like you sit down and you're like, oh, wow, Mr. Cook, like uh, I just wanted to tell you that I'm a big fan of what you do. I'm a big supporter of, of your time at Apple. Would it be okay if we take a picture and then also say, and by the way, I'm going to leave you, like, I'm going to leave you be, like, I'll do my thing, you do your thing, I'm not going to bother you for this flight, but I just wanted to tell you. I... See, this is what I mean, I yeah. don't know which one of those is better, I, like, I don't know That's which is the tough. better one to do, because that that way, he's going to know, right, I can't work on the presentation while I'm sitting next to this dude. Well, we all, we all know that he wouldn't be working on the presentation <laughs> anyway, but I take your point. No, no one cares about secrecy there anymore. Yeah. Oh, hot take. Um, hey oh. No, I... I hear you, but I think the problem is if I were on the receiving end of that, like, you know, if somebody who happened to listen to this show or ATP or something said to me, hey, I just wanted to know or let you know I'm really a big fan of your work, but I'm not going to I'm not going to bother you the rest of the, the, the rest of the flight. That almost makes it worse in a way, because mm. you know, then I'm going to be like, sure, you're not rando. You know, <laughs> like I almost feel like I would be just waiting for that, that. I think this might just be a difference in our personality. So if somebody said that to me, I'll go, oh, great. And then I would just put my headphones on. Oh, so basically I'm a big jerk. Well, yeah, we've known no, that for a while. because I don't know who who that says is the jerk, right? <laughs> yeah, fair but, enough. So yeah, I don't know what the, the actual should be, but I know what would happen. I wouldn't be able to contain myself. But then again, then again, I had this with, with Sir Ive, right? And I didn't say anything to him at all. So Wait, maybe when? I would just be too scared. Do you remember when it wasn't on a plane? Oh, it was in the Apple Store. Or something, in the Apple it? Store. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just didn't say anything to him because I was a Freddy cat. <laughs> I would have been. Too. So that's probably what I would end up doing. Yeah, I, I think I still think the rightest answer is to wait until the end of the flight and uh, and mm. say something very briefly, very briefly, and very kindly, and then leave it alone. But yeah, I think I think you may have picked the better of two evils yeah there. exactly like, I, I think you may have picked the better one there in, in that just to be like but you've really like the thing is how do you try and prove to him beforehand that you don't know who he is though that's the problem because you won't be able to keep yourself to yourself every yeah, time he reaches true. for his bag right or whatever you're gonna be peeking yeah what's he going there yeah, you know yeah or like there's just nothing you can do about this if he gets out his ipad starts working on it you, your eyes are going to like, you're going to strain a blood vessel in your eye. You're going to be side eyeing <laughs> him so much. You know what I mean? Like, that's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah. yeah maybe, maybe you pull the steward, the air steward aside, and you say, uh, I need to switch seats. <laughs> right? And then, I can't handle it. I'm not prepared for and this. Then, and then you say, you say the whole thing to him before you switch seats, and then, then you like, you're out of there. You know, maybe that's the way to do it. That That is a bold strategy, Cotton, but it may just pay off. Chocolate rain. Some stay dry and others feel the pain. Chocolate rain. A baby born will die before the sin. Chocolate rain. The school books say it can't be here again. Chocolate rain. The prisons make you wonder where it went. Chocolate rain. Build a tent and say the world is dry. Chocolate rain. 